change weekend last weekend. Uh, how many of you are still reeling from the effects of time change weekend? Trying to get your schedule adjusted, trying to get used to uh, dark nights coming early. Uh, time change is a challenge for me. Uh, it's a challenge for our family. Uh, you would think that the earlier hours of darkness would what encourage your children to be in bed by 7 uh, p.m., but it doesn't happen like that, does it? Uh, and so we think about time change, and if you are, are, are accustomed to why it initially uh, was around. Most people think it was because of farming techniques and it gives more people light. But really, the early creators of the idea of time change was hoping to conserve energy. Back in that day, you didn't have all the power that we have now. And so time change really doesn't have the same purposes or effects that it does now. I think it's just really a cruel means of uh, throwing us off uh, sk you know, schedule. Uh, but the deal is, is this. It, you would think that time change would allow people to have more hours of the day that you could function more in life. But now, with the advances of technology and with all the power that we have, we work all hours of the night. Many of us, uh, you work throughout the night. Some of you, you just never really stop. And, and our bodies are designed not to just have um, one flat line, but ultimately to begin to experience what God created us for, for us to have. But the challenge is, is that with more hours in our day, more lights, more access to internet, more opportunities to work all hours of the day on into the night, we rarely find the time to really slow down in a very fast-paced culture. Matter of fact, we think we're doing really well if we manage all the hours that we have more effectively, and even more than that, if we're accustomed to working hard and longer than our peers. But the challenge is, is not really uh, working hard, but figuring out how we have balance in our lives. Like, isn't that really the goal? I mean, you think about all the apps that you could download on your phone. I mean, you think about things that help you organize like Evernote or help you balance the schedule like Asana and multiple other ones that allow you to do things more effectively. And as we grow as Americans, we think that we're really doing a good job if we can balance our schedule. Matter of fact, how many of you in here would say, I'm really good at balancing everything I got going on in my life? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, I mean, most of us would say we really stink at it because there's multiple things that if you were to Google it, that they would encourage us to try to balance. I mean, you think about balancing your life, like what all are we balancing? Well, I looked up one Google report and they would say you should focus on five areas in your life. You should think about um, the psychological areas of your life, the social areas of life, spiritual, physical, and vocational. I go, okay, that's awesome, five categories. That should sum it up, make it easy for me. And then you go to another one, they go, well, here's seven areas that you should think about. Seven areas that you should balance in your daily life, like physical health. I mean, think about physical health. I mean, you've got doctor's appointments to schedule. You've got kids' dentist appointments to schedule. You've got wellness checks, physicals. You've got uh, appointments with your doctor. If you've got a baby or having one to expect, you've got all of those different things. You've got to order your contacts. You've got to replace your glass lenses. You've got to make sure that your kids have all of their things. That, and then some of you over the age of 55, you've got to remember all those pills that go in that little contraption you got on your counter. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Then you got family, right? You got family things to do. I mean, you got kids to get to school. You've got um, parents to call. You got uh, family to, to have uh, in terms of extended. You got in laws, or some cases like me, it's outlaws. Um, yep. You've got. You've got all types of different things. You got to pack lunches. You got to make sure that people get dinners. You got to have your house cleaned. You've got 
all these different things. And then it moves into the social aspects of your life. Like you've got family and kids and health and wellness, and then you're supposed to have some social life. Like you're supposed to have friends. And then you've got journey group friends. You've got church friends. You've got PTO mom's friends. You've got soccer mom friends. You've got college friends that you haven't seen in a decade that you think we should really catch up. You've got all these different things. Then you throw in the financial aspect of things. Like you have retirement funds that you should be making sure are funded. And then not only that, you've got kids' college to pay. You've got mortgages. You've got to balance the checkbook at some point. You've got pay your bills. Like, I mean, that seems like to be a daily thing, if not weekly. And then you've got business opportunities. You've got people that you have to manage or report to. You have people you have to train. You've got inventory that you've got to make sure is managed. You've got spreadsheets and funds and all these different things. You've got quarterly reports. You've got yearly reports. You've got meetings. You've got all this stuff. And you go, how in the world do I balance it all? Not to mention that you've got civic things. Like your church really does want you to volunteer. I mean, yeah, they really do. And then not only that, the PTO says, hey, can you bake cookies for our teachers this Friday? And can you make this meeting? And hey, don't forget the Kiwanis Club, the Rotary Club. Don't forget all the other organizations that you should be a part of, your kids' sports teams. I mean, you're supposed to coach soccer and basketball and football. And don't worry, there's going to be a, a camp sometime around here that you should be a part of. And then you've got spiritual things. Where do those fit in? Like reading your Bible daily and praying and finding ways to have spiritual disciplines, to, to invest in your small group, to make sure that you serve, that all of these different things. Now, the question is, is, how in the world do you balance those things? Because balance really says that you should take and you should give equal proportion to different aspects of your life. But the answer is, is can that really happen? Matter of fact, is the idea of balance, this this idea that we've all been shooting for, is it even a real thing? I don't think so. I think it's a mirage. I think it's out there in the distance. You dream about it. You hope that you're going to hit it, and you never do. Matter of fact, I don't think balance is biblical at all. I don't think that God ever intended for us to have balance, because when I think about balance, I think about a linear flat line, a flat line that you're constantly trying to find some sort of way that you don't tilt one of that. It's a seesaw without the saw. I mean, there's no movement. It's just sitting there. Like, how fun is that? Matter of fact, if you go, I don't really know that I understand what you're saying. What I'm saying is, is it is not biblical, nor is it ever going to happen that you're going to balance your schedule in such a way that you walk away and go, I think I've got my life together. It's not going to happen. That's why not many of us raise our hands. But what if we began to look at things biblically, the way that God actually established us to live? Because think about it. If you were to walk into a hospital today, if you saw a flat line, how good would that be? In ICU, when there's a flat line, when they're measuring brain waves, it's no good because our lives and brains are meant to have rhythm. If you debate whether or not you're supposed to have rhythm, just put your hand over your chest and you'll realize that your heart beats. Today, you enjoyed our singing and our opportunity to have one way of worshiping God through our voices and through song and through music because it wasn't a flat line. If it was a flat line, there would be no beats and there would be no rhythm and it would be no excitement. It would actually be noise. You'd want to leave. That's what happens in the back seat when you're driving to Walmart. Your kids, it's just noise, right? There's no rhythm. And that's why you're like, hey, kid, be quiet. Because we, we don't like flat lines. Flat lines aren't good. Rhythm is good. See, Jesus called you in one way. He says, deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. He didn't have a life of rhythm. I mean, or a life of, of, of uh, flat lines, but he had a life of rhythm. He had uh, a life of all-out ministry, but you would find him 
begin to take some rest. You have different areas. Like you think about Moses and you think about Paul. You think about those who wanted to follow God. They seemed to do it really well, but it didn't seem like they had balance. And so they began to figure out what their priorities were. And the only way for us to discover rhythm in our life is to realize how God created us, but also the world. I think the Greeks got it best in terms of what time looks like. And they, they differentiated time in two different ways. And so they differentiated one area of time called the chronos time. And then in a second, I'll tell you about the other one. But a chronos time is a set, expected time, one that you can count on. For instance, uh, we've got Thanksgiving coming up. How many, how many of you realize Thanksgiving's coming up? Yes? And then how many of you, I know, I know it's shocking you because you haven't started shopping. You certainly haven't saved for it, but you got Christmas right around the corner. How many of y'all know that Christmas comes every year on December 25th? Yeah, and how many of y'all planned as if it's coming on December 25th? Not many of us, right? But it's a chronos time. It's a set time that's linear in fashion that we know that exists. But here's what I want you to realize. When you look at a chronos time, there's a rhythm to it that God established. See, you and I struggle because if we were to go and read a book, we are reading books about time management that focus on really two rhythms of time. And, and really, it's not even a rhythm. It's just focusing on a day getting as many tasks done, marking some off, and moving to the next day. And ultimately, the largest segment of time that you'll ever look at really is a week. But think about how God created chronos time, this set, expected time. He did it in five different areas. The very first area he did it in, he did it in this idea of rotational time. See, what the, the earth does is it rotates every 24 hours one time, and you have a day. And beyond that, God in, in Genesis, he says that he was going to create things. And you have creation that happened in six days. And on the seventh, you had rest, this idea of Sabbath. And so you have this idea of rotational, but you also have this idea of Sabbath. You have a day and then you have a week. And then beyond the week, you have this lunar calendar that every 29 and a half days, the sun is going to cycle again. And it does it every 29 and a half days. And it has been for years. It's a consistent rhythm that's happening lunarly. And as you have a lunar calendar, guess what? You and I begin to develop what we would know as a month. Beyond a month, though, you need to realize that the earth is going to tilt. And every 90 days, it's going to tilt again. And as it tilts, guess what? It lends way to seasons. That's why you have fall and spring and summer and winter. You, you have all these God-designed things. And guess what? They happen every 90 or so days. Now, I realize in Texas that it can be a little confusing but in most parts of the world, you see it happen every 90 days. And then beyond that, you also have this idea of orbital time. You have the earth moving around the sun in a rotation, and it does it every 365 days, which gives us a calendar year. Now, let me ask you a question. When you think about this idea of chronos time, do you plan that way? Do you plan in, in understanding God's design? And the answer is typically no. All you're worried about is what I got to do this afternoon. What do I got to get done today that prepares me for tomorrow? And then you get to tomorrow and you do the same thing. And the, probably the largest thing you're looking at in a chunk of time right now in your life is a week. Most of us don't plan well in months and quarters and years. We struggle with that. And that's why we always are trying to balance things. But I want you to realize that even in, in Genesis, you see that God established all of these rhythms in our life. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. You, know, you see what God's done there? That's the idea that you and I should see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. 
But it's not just this idea of chronos time, but there's another one called kairos time. Kairos time is something that you and I don't see as linear. Matter of fact, it's very unexpected. Like you never know when it's going to happen. It just kind of is a time that crops up on you and you're like, hey, we got to jump on this. It's the opportunity to seize the moment. It's the carpe diem time. It's the chance to grab the bull by the horns. It's the idea in Esther. In Esther chapter 4, verse 14, you're going to see Mordecai go to Esther and, and Mordecai gives a request. He goes, you should go to the king. And, and she knows that queens don't go to kings in that day. But then he posed a question, like, what if God appointed your time right now in life for you to go to the king? Like, this is the time, this is the opportunity that you're here in verse 14 for such a time as this. That's the idea of a Kairos time. It's an opportunity to realize what God is doing now. It's the idea of Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God. Look for where God is at work and join him there. And see, for us to begin to understand how God's created things, you need to understand both of these times. You need to realize there's a Kronos time and that there's a Kairos time. Kronos time is linear. You can plan for that. But the question is, is what are you doing every day that you should actually do weekly? What are you doing quarterly that you should be doing monthly or monthly that you should be doing quarterly? What are some things that you don't realize that you should do, but you should put them on the calendar to do once a year? See, you don't even think about a lot of these things, but you and I should plan to change our oil in our car quarterly. You should plan in Texas to try to change your air filters and your air condition at least monthly, if not bi-monthly. See, oftentimes you should pay bills and you think, well, I got to pay bills weekly. No, you don't. You could set bills to pay monthly. But see, when we have all of these things going on and we don't think in terms of chronos time, we miss it. And we certainly miss the kairos moments of what God's doing in the season that we're in. And so today, as we continue this series, this idea of um, table talk, we want to encourage you as a family to begin having conversations about who it is that God created you to be and to realize where it is that God has you going, how you can plan more effectively, but also how you can center your, your family on God's design and that you would have conversations about these things. Brian challenged us last week about some areas that we could begin to get physically and spiritually fit and about how we have a limited amount of time with our kiddos and with our grandkids and that every investment we make in them really matters. And I want to encourage you that you would understand that those moments do matter. And so today I'm going to get extremely practical with you, but it's going to, it's going to take a little while. So you got to hang on with me for a few moments till we get there to the end in a way that I hope you walk out of here and you go, wow, that was challenging. And I, I hope that you feel freed up in some ways. And if you're going to do that, then three things have to be accomplished today. Number one, you got to know your mission you got to know why you exist as a family. Like, do you realize why it is that God has you here? I mean, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 shows us that there are multiple seasons that are happening in our life. Understand? Um, it, it even says this in verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planned. Like, look, the time to plant and the time to pluck up is not the same. Understand? Farmers don't plant and harvest at the same time. There's multiple seasons that you've got to be paying attention to. Verse 3 says there's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones. And the list goes on and on and on and on. There are times, there are seasons, there are chronos times, and there are kairos times. 
for us to be paying attention to. And in order to do so, you've got to know why it is that God has you here. Like, why does your family exist? Now, I would venture to say most of us in this room, we don't know why our family exists. Like, we're here, and we're trying to get by. We're trying to have a job. We're trying to pay the bills. We're trying to make sure that our kids are well-fed. We want to make sure that they graduate uh, high school and hopefully maybe go on to college, get out of the house, maybe plan for retirement. But beyond the things that you are doing in your daily and weekly schedule, no, the question is, why does God have you here? If I were to look at your calendar, if I were to look at your checkbook, if I were to look at all those things, the question is, is, would that go along with what you say is important in terms of your mission that God's got you here? And I would say for most of us, no, because we're just trying to manage our lives. We're trying to balance it all so that the scales don't tip one way heavier than the other. And the answer to that is that stop doing that. It's not possible. Know that there are seasons and times and that in order for you to embrace those, you got to know why God has you. And so the number one priority for many of you this week is to go away and go, why does God have us here? And as a husband, as a wife, as parents who have young kids at home, you need to figure out what are we aiming at? What is the target we're hoping to shoot? You, you just want to have a good family and be successful? No, I want to raise godly kids. We want to make a difference across the, the globe. We want to invest in friendships. And what is it? you got to determine that. We're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks in terms of your mission. But the second thing is, is that you have to begin to realize that God has given you determined rhythms. So you got to determine what those rhythms are. And if you look at the chronos time, you look at your day and your week and your month and your quarter and your year, all these seasons, you begin to realize what it is that God's given you. He's given you set times in a linear fashion that you can maximize. I think you see in Ephesians chapter 5, as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he goes, hey, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of what? Your time. Like, use the best use of your time. If you look in Psalm 9012, a millennial earlier, uh, you have a guy like Moses who prays and says to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom in Psalm 9012. That was his prayer. God, give me a heart of wisdom. You have a guy like David in Psalm 39, verse 4 and 5. He goes, oh, Lord, make me know my end and what measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a mere hand breath which is about four inches. He goes, my life is fleeting. It's coming and it's going. And here's the deal. If our life is like a vapor, then what are you going to use it for? And if you understand your, what God's got you here, you can begin to determine those rhythms that there are seasons in which you're going to embrace. And so here's what I want you to realize. As you start thinking about rhythms, it's really important for you to know that they're all around you. For instance, there are some of you that you're really big Cowboys fans, okay? Right now, they're in the regular season. They're hoping, hoping, some of you are praying that they're going to make the playoffs, okay? That's still debatable. But if they do make the playoffs, I want you to realize that the level of intensity goes up. They're going to spend more resources and time in that area. There's going to be people who play hurt in that season where they won't in the regular season. I want you to realize that the regular season, the playoffs, is quite different than what you and I view on TV in the early weeks of August called the preseason. Matter of fact, the preseason is a joke. And the reason why is because there's very little effort. There's very little of your normal players playing. It's a different time in the life of the season of the Cowboys. If they have a preseason, a regular season, and playoffs, then they hope to win a championship and then what? Have an offseason, a time of rest. 
in an off season, what is that the time to be building up as if you're going to the playoffs? And the answer is no. It's the time to make trades. It's the time to draft people. It's the time to rest and prepare for mini camps. And then for mini camps, you're going to prepare for the two-a-days that happen before the preseason. Do you see the cycles in which the Cowboys live in? Like they don't always live in the playoffs. So think about your life. Think about where you are in this stage of your life. Now, the question is, is this, are you running full steam ahead or are you resting too much? Because if you're going to be successful at determining a rhythm, you need to realize there's always a pace. Every rhythm has a pace, and you need to set your pace. So think about setting a pace. Setting a pace means that you're going to do something with consistency. Now, I've been thinking about taking the idea of running. Okay, here's my challenge with running. Okay, I haven't been able to find a running partner that's willing to go at a slow enough pace. And, and the reason why, I mean, is because that we, we got to talk about those things. Like, I don't want to get with some guy who thinks that he's a sprinter and I'm trying to run a marathon. But that's our challenge. Our challenge is, is that most of us don't even know our pace. We don't know what season of life we're in and why we should be running at the pace we are. For instance, I want you to understand something real quickly, okay? When we started Stone Point Church, it was a startup. So my pace looked totally different than my pace now. And my wife is thankful for it. Early on, almost every night of the week, I was gone. I, I was having meetings. I was investing in people. I was helping launch ministries because we didn't have anybody to invest in students. It was me. And so on Wednesday nights, I did that, and I prepared for messages. I, I balanced the checkbook. I did all of those things in the initial startup, things that I didn't want to do and wasn't even good at. And my season was quite differently, and so we had to begin to set a pace. And there was a point in my marriage where Kelly goes, look, the pace that you're running is not good. It's not good for you, and it's not good for our family. We're starting to feel it. And we began to have to look at this. And I'll tell you, it's an area that I've really struggled with for quite some time, the idea of balance in my schedule. And I'll tell you, this last February, I ran into a guy under a handful of mentors. I've had many mentors, guys like Larry Osborne in California, Steve Shroop and uh, Rockwall. I've had the pleasure, and I ran across this, uh, this guy named Bruce Miller, and he changed my life. He goes, Brandon, I think you're looking at your life in a way that's not healthy. And he goes, you need to find a rhythm. You need to set a pace in your ministry. You need to set a pace in your family. You need to embrace kind of what God's doing there. And so as you set a pace, you got to begin to realize that you can't do everything at one time. Do you remember being a freshman in college and you go to your first class and your professor throws down a syllabus? Yeah, dude, I went into shock, okay? I call mama and I'm like, mama, I think I'm coming home. I'm like, the reason why is because I thought, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to do all this. I mean, I've got, I've got four papers to write. I've got seven books to read, and that's my first class. And then not only that, I go to another class and another class and another class. My first semester, I take 12 to 15 hours, and every single class has this to-do list that's so long and so overwhelming. And if I didn't set a pace, I'd have never accomplished it. Because it wasn't all meant to be done in one week, although that's how we oftentimes feel, isn't it? Think about it. If you can realize the rhythm of how God created, there are some things that you should do daily. There are some things that you should do weekly. There are some things you should do monthly and quarterly and yearly and quit trying to do them all in one month or in one week or in one day, then you will have a lot better pace. Amen? Like it's not realistic in the stage and season of our life for my wife to scrub the baseboards every single week. It's totally unrealistic. 
Should it be done every month? Probably not. But I think it's realistic to do it once a quarter. That's the type of thing that you have to begin setting a pace towards. That's the practical part of setting a pace. But beyond that, it's not just setting a pace, but guess what? It goes even further than that. While you're thinking about your pace, set some mile markers along the way. Okay? Now, a mile marker, think of it like a trajectory almost like a tradition or a ritual or something that you can look forward to. For instance, let's say that you're in a startup right now, like you're starting something up or you're in the middle of kicking a new business off, then guess what? You're going to be gone a lot. Like it's going to be a very difficult season. But if you'll set a mile marker and say, listen, honey, I'm going to be gone a ton, but every Saturday morning, I promise, we'll set a mile marker for our family that our kids can look forward to. If you say every Saturday morning, we're going to do pancakes and we're going to do waffles and we're going to do bacon and sausage and lots of syrup. And that's something our kids can look forward to. That's a mile marker. If you know that you're going to have an exhausting season, for instance, I've had an exhausting season in the last few months trying to get everybody on board with an advanced 2020 initiative. Lots of meetings, lots of print material, lots of letters, lots of vision casting. It was exhausting. But at the end of that, I took a week vacation and I I just, I was gone. And it was a huge blessing. Why? Because it allowed me to look in a quarter and say, this quarter is going to be really busy, but at the end of it, I can have a a small break. That's the idea. So you set a pace, and then you have mile marks along the way. Like, what mile markers do your family have? What expectations are your kids looking forward to? Like, do you take a vacation once a year that they can count on? You're like, no, I hadn't been on vacation in seven years. Well, that's a problem because it's not a healthy pace, and there's no mile marks along the way. Research tells us, and a guy named William Doherty, he says that mile markers and rituals or traditions, whatever you want to call them, are huge. Matter of fact, this is what he says. He goes, rituals and traditions are crucial for busy modern family members to connect with one another. Without regular times to be together as a family, interacting in conversation, play, or other activities, families drift apart. Families float south down the river unless they paddle. Unless you're intentional about putting mile markers, you're going to run at a pace that you can't sustain, and you're going to look up, and you're going to wonder why your kids don't know you and why you've drifted apart. It's because you've taken so many things, and you've, adequate, you've, you've put resources in places they shouldn't have been, and you never celebrated milestones along the way. Now think about just the, chrono, the chronological idea of chronos time that God's giving you linear time. You can celebrate birthdays very well. You can celebrate family events. You can work them every quarter. Why? Because you're going to have a Labor Day. You're going to have a Memorial Day. You're going to have a Thanksgiving and a Christmas. Use those times to invest in areas and make those milestones because they come in your what? Chrono schedule already. Make sense? So as you're thinking about setting a pace and you're thinking about all of those things and you're setting mile markers, it's important to know that a mile marker exists really if you do three things. One, make it special. Two, repeat it, and then coordinate it. So it's special. It's a memorable moment. So matter of fact, in the next six months, one of the things that I put on my goal sheet is that we would, as a family, have more memorable moments with our kids. I want them to look back on their early years of adolescence and say, man, we did a lot of really fun things. Not expensive things, but fun things. We were strategic as a family, investing in them. Mile markers are huge. Why? Because Brady, last night, he goes, hey, Daddy, you've been traveling a lot lately. I've been to Atlanta this year. I've been to Denver this year. I've been on a mission trip this year. He goes, are you home for a while? And I go, yes, there's a season in which I'm home for a while. i got one more night of travel. I'll be away. He's anticipating what's next. And so that's huge is anticipating 
what could be next. Does that make sense? And so as you think about this, setting a pace, finding your rhythm and all of those different things, one of the things that you should do last is this, is oscillate between work and rest. Oscillate between work and rest. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was intense. Do y'all realize that? He didn't have a lot of balance in his schedule. Paul, when he was planting all those churches, he didn't seem to have a lot of balance in his schedule. But what he did is have intensity, and then he would draw away and rest. Even the disciples, when things weren't going the way they wanted, he goes, hey, your problem is you need to come and spend some time with me. And they drew away and they rested. Oscillating. Now, here's what's interesting. Oscillation works in so many different ways. The Grecians figured it out in 175 to 245 A.D., when they were preparing for a lot of Olympic games and different things, they, they realized that you could work out a segment of body muscles and you could really exhaust them. And if you gave them adequate rest, they would get stronger. That happens all the time. Trainers are not incredibly smart. What they are going to do is they're going to work out a muscle group really hard. They're going to allow it to rest. They're going to come back and they're going to exert it again. Do you understand? That's what's happening. That's the idea of oscillating between rest. Jesus, he, in Matthew chapter 16, he tells his disciples, hey, if anyone wants to follow me, they must deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. In Matthew chapter 11, just a little bit earlier than that, Jesus said something a little bit different. He goes, come to me, you all who are laboring and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is going, look, you can follow after me, pursue me with everything you've got, expend all the energy in doing what God wants you to do, but every now and then you can take a rest. That's the Sabbath week, isn't it? That's the idea that you would rest in the satisfaction of God, that you would allow your body to recuperate. I don't know if you realize this or not. Listen to me. God has created a natural rhythm of rest and sleep every night. There are huge health benefits for you to stop working till 1 o'clock in the morning only to get up at 5. It's not healthy. You'll wear yourself out. It's not natural. It's not a good rhythm. You're not oscillating well between work and rest. That's the goal. I love the fact that Jim Lair in his book, The Powerful Engagement, he says it this way, which I really relate to. He says, stress is not the enemy of our lives. Paradoxically, is the key to growth. In order to build strength in a muscle, we must systematically stress it, expending energy beyond normal levels. Doing so literally causes microscopic tears in the muscle fibers, and at the end of the training session, functional capacity is diminished. But give the muscle 24 hours or 48 hours to recover, and it grows stronger and better able to handle the next stimulus. While this training phenomenon has been applied largely to building physical strength, it is just as relevant to building muscles in every dimension of our lives, from empathy to patience to focus to creativity to integrity and commitment. What applies to the body applies equally to the other dimensions of our lives. This insight both simplifies and revolutionizes the way we approach the barriers that stand in our way. Listen. Our culture is one of two ways. You're either fast-paced and you never stop, or you're lazy and you never work. That is our culture. Our culture rarely goes at a high pace and then oscillates between fast-paced and rest. That doesn't happen. We're either not exerting our muscles and they're never growing, or we're exerting our muscles all the time and we're never resting and there's never growth. Both things kill the body. Do y'all realize that? This fundamentally changed my life. And then when I was able to take that idea of Chronos time, set a pace, build some mile markers, and then oscillate between work and rest, it's huge. Now, it's not perfect, but it's huge. And it's an area that I can continue to grow in. But here's the third thing. 
is when you can embrace your current life stage, it'll change your life. And I think this is the most practical and helpful, and I'm going to spend about seven to ten minutes on it real quick, okay? And so the reason why, if you have a note, this is the time to take it. This is huge. Embrace your current life stage. Some of you don't realize what life stage you're in because you're trying to embrace the one you just came out of, and you're not anticipating the new one. And so if you want to embrace your life stage, kind of what Titus uh, prayed in, in verse, uh, or chapter 3, verse 14. He goes, let our people learn to devote themselves to good work so as to help cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. Like, we want our lives to be fruitful, right? Isn't that true? The question is, if it's going to be fruitful, you got to embrace where God has you now. Like, what stage are you in? And if I were to ask you, like, what stage are you in, would you even know? And so there's a lot of different stages. And, and like I asked somebody after the first day, what stage are you in? They're like, I'm in tired stage. And I'm like, yeah, that's not one. But okay, yes, that's because you're not oscillating between work and rest. It's because you're not setting mile markers. You're not running at a good pace. I could have gone off, right? No. no, what stage are you in? And if you are know the stage, then you can seize opportunities. You can release false expectations. And you can anticipate what's next. Let me give you some examples. There are some of you that you are single right now and you want so badly to be in the next stage. You need to embrace the stage of singleness. Why? Because you can travel the world. You can do all the God-appointed things that he has for you. You can be more involved with time and money and resource than ever before. But if there's an anticipation for what's next, then you can look forward to the day that you're going to eventually be married. You're not going to be single forever if that's not God's plan. Maybe you're anticipating it. Some of you, you're in a serious relationship. You're anticipating marriage. Well, I encourage you to, to really buy into that time. Don't, don't wish for marriage and kids already. But when that season comes, an early stage of marriage, embrace that. Travel together. Use that time to build into your relationship. Don't say, you know what, i got to have kids right now. Embrace that stage. There's some of you that... You're married now, and you go, God, if I could just go back and be single, right? No, now it's time to embrace that early stage of marriage. Some of you, you have children on the ground. Some of you have an infant, five, seven, two, three months old, whatever. Uh, you, you have to embrace that stage. This is the time for you to do lots of cuddling. Yes, it's lots of diapers. It's lots of sleepless nights, but embrace that time because if you wish yourself into the next stage, you'll miss what God has for you in this one. There's some of you, you have toddlers. I mean, everything in your house is bubble wrapped, including your child. You got everything locked up. I mean, it's just a challenging phase. I mean, you, you think, oh, we've hit terrible twos. Well, listen, it can get more terrible, but the deal is embrace that stage. It doesn't last forever. And I'll tell you, when you get into the season, the stage that we're in, you wish that you could cuddle a baby one more time, and you wish that you could spend some time with toddlers. But what happens is we're always wishing for the next stage. Embrace the one you're in now. See, I'm in a stage, and it's unique to our church, and it's unique to our family. We're an adolescent stage. Our church runs the same lifespan as our kids. We planted a church and had kids, and so I can see a perspective of our church in a way that no one else can. And the reason why is because we're in a stage right now where it's adolescent stage at our house. And so adolescent stage means a handful of things. As I think about who we are and what stage we're in, I can release, release expectations. Like, so We've got kids that are seven, six, four, about to be five. Every single night, they ask us to read a book together, and they ask us to pray together. Now, that's an area that I'm going to maximize, and I'll tell you how I maximize it very practically. I do not schedule dinner meetings. I am home every night that I can be. Why? Because it's a season that I'm in in which it's a one chance I get to read them books when they actually want us to read books. I mean, think about it. When an adolescent stage... In, 
are people, are kids asking for Bible stories. Like this is the one chance you have to tell them Bible stories every single night. Because when you get out of adolescent stage and teenage stage, guess what? They don't want to hear a Bible story anymore. They don't want to be tucked into bed. They don't want to be kissed. And, and so many of us look back and we go, man, I really missed adolescent stage. I was working. That was the time that I was doing my career. And that's the wrong time to do it. Like this is not the time for me to go get another degree. This is not the time for me to book my schedule with speaking engagements. This is not the time for me to try to write a book, although I, I really do want to do that one day. This is not the season for me to do that. So I'm releasing expectations. It's not the time, even though Kelly stays at home, for her to have our whole house organized and clean. We're in adolescent stage, and we're still fixing plates. We're still wiping bobos. We're still doing all of those things. Understand? Like our life is not where we anticipated to be, but we're looking forward to what's next. Now, here's the question is, what stage are you in? See, some of you, you're in retirement stage. And one of the things that's holding you back and keeping you in a funk right now is the fact that you're having a hard time embracing retirement stage because you go, I, I wish I was still 45 and could do all the things I used to do. Now your vision's failing, your body's failing. No, this is the time for you to invest in another generation. Use the wisdom that you've acquired to invest and pour into another generation. That's why I'm so thankful about the time that I'm going to have with my parents next week on a webinar, to be able to use that as a time for them to embrace that, for a time where my dad's really struggling with the things he can't do anymore. Well, Dad, you're not in that phase anymore. You're in a new stage. Embrace this stage. Use this to invest in the next generation. There's some of you that you're in sick stage, like you're sick. You're dealing with cancer, and, and you want so badly to go back to work. Don't worry about going back to work. Release that expectation. What, this is the time for you to read books that you had not been able to read, that you can sleep a little longer. That When you get a good meal, you should eat a good one. Make it count because they don't all stay down. Release the expectations that you should do all the things that you used to do. It's, it's a different stage. You've got to figure out what stage am I in, and then if, if this stage you're ready for it to be over, anticipate that there's another stage that's coming. The next stage for us, is, I think, is going to be a challenging one when we get teenagers. There are some of you that you're at home and you got teenagers, and all I can do is pray for you. I don't really got any advice, okay? <laughs> no, listen, listen, maximize that. Here's the time. Maximize that time. Why? Because this is the time where you're the taxi driver. If they want to go somewhere, they're going to be in your car. Maximize the time you have in the car. Ask good questions. Have good conversations. Talk about things that your parents didn't talk to you about. Use that time. Don't miss that moment. Seize those opportunities. Does that make sense? Because it's absolutely crucial for you to realize that. And so for us in our church, and I'll tell you this, I'm so excited about what we just raised financially. Yeah, you go, well, we didn't hit our goal. Maybe not. No, listen, think about it. Our church is an adolescent stage. It's six and a half years old. We have over 300 new Christians who are just now learning to live biblical principles. Are you kidding me? We raised $770,000 so far? Yes. Praise God for that. Now, listen, if we were a 50-year-old church, it would concern me. If we were established and mature, we're not. That means that I can release the expectations to be a large church that has all the ministries in the world. It's not our season. We're still young. We're still trying to find our way. Do you realize how great that is to have pressure from somebody to go, well, y'all don't have this. Well, we're six and a half years old. How old are you? Do you have your life together? And the answer is no. So, but if you can b- em- em- see the season that God has given you, embrace those times, and then 
order your schedule effectively, it means that I can start letting go of some things. There are some of you that you need to let go of some expectations of your life because you're not even in that stage right now. You're not an empty nester yet. You still got kids. But an empty nest stage, guess what? You can invest in your marriage like you haven't before. Do you all understand this? This is huge. And so I I pray that it's an encouragement to you and that you realize that you're not going to be in that season forever. Embrace it. Set a pace. Use what God's given you as a flow of rhythm and then plan for what's next. If you're here and you go, man, I'm really interested in learning more about that. If you go to stonepointchurch.com forward slash table talk, there's a table talk guide that we gave you to help you create some rhythms and some things in your family to look forward to. I encourage you to print it out and use it. It's uh, going to be for the month of November. We'll add another one for December. I've also I, I provided a, a, uh, a chart that's a Kronos Kairos chart that if you're interested in looking at the stage of life and kind of begin to look at your life stage, the challenges that you're having, that you can identify that. Feel free to go print that and use that at your convenience. But let me end with this quote by Jim Lair, uh, The Power of Full Engagement, and we're going to pray together. He says, we survive on too little sleep, wolf down fast foods on the run, fuel up with coffee, cool down with alcohol and sleeping pills. Faced with relentless demands at work, we become short-tempered, easily distracted. We return home from long days of work, feeling exhausted and often experience our families, not as the source of joy and renewal, but as one more demand in an already overburdened life. Because that is not how God created us. And if that's your life, then I encourage you to prayerfully ask God, Lord, what's my mission here? God, help me to find a rhythm. Help me to figure out what it looks like and determine the season of life that I'm in so that we can be effective and that we're not coping with mechanisms to help us get through life, but that we're enjoying the full glory of God and his goodness in our life. Amen? Let me pray for us, church. God, we love you and we thank you for today. God, thank you for these principles. Lord, I I know, God, that it's so much information, but Lord, I pray that you would use it in a way that brings you much glory. God, I can't help but think that our families will will float south unless we paddle. God, help us to be intentional. Lord, help us to realize that we should work really hard, that we should clock in on time and we should leave on time that we should work diligently with our time, but also take some time to refresh and and enjoy the the work week that you've given us. Lord, six days of full intensity in a day where we can rest and worship and be productive. God, help us to seize opportunities beforehand. Lord, help us to release the expectations we have created in our mind and help us to embrace, Lord, what you have for us and ahead as well. We love you. We thank you that, God, balance is not possible, but that rhythm is good. God, help us to find our rhythm. And when we forget it, may we just put our hand on our chest and be reminded that you've set a pace for us in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.